Pastor Xavier Reese shares the simple truths for surviving those difficult times. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he has tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them who love him. It seems that many times we must wear the crown of affliction before we can appreciate the crown of victory. Remember to stop being afraid. Jesus has been where you have been, where you are, or where you will be. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The Bible warns us that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But what happens when this type of persecution hits home? Today, Pastor Xavier helps us prepare for such attacks as he offers encouragement as we return to the book of Revelation and a visit to the Church of Smyrna for today's reassuring Simple Truths. Let's listen. We're continuing again the series of the seven churches of Revelation, and we want to look to this church, incredible church, Smyrna. The message just are applicable, remember, to all of us today, and not merely to the churches of John's day. The command to Smyrna, as to Ephesus, was to identify and address her personal situation and suffering. It is revealed in the Revelation here, the ultimate source of Christian persecution. Who is it? It's satanic. Just like anti-Semitism is from Satan. Same thing. Notice the Lord Jesus said that the gates of hell would not prevail against his church in Matthew 8, 16, 18. The first century church was evidence of this, and persecution has never destroyed the church of Jesus Christ. Study its history, but history around the world. The only thing that ruins the church is compromise. Smyrna was a suffering church. Smyrna had no time to play games. Only remember their Lord and depend upon him. This was a commendation to Smyrna. Notice verse 10. Now comes the exhortation. There's always, once we listen, we need to be exhorted to be doers, right? The church was not to be afraid of the coming suffering. He talks to them about their condition. Do not fear those which you are about to suffer, or those things you're about to suffer. Literally, stop being afraid. This is repeated as a command throughout the scriptures to men and women. Why? Because they were afraid. They're human like you and I. You have been afraid at times in your life as a Christian. I have been afraid about the circumstance situation. I have to bring my thoughts in captivity. I have to go to God. I have to go to the Word of God. Lord, direct, guide me, strengthen me, give me wisdom. Let me trust you. Their fear was over the things that were about to come upon them in the future. They had suffered in the past, they were suffering in the present, and they were going to suffer in the future. All great. As Christians, we understand this. When you heard the gospel, Jesus says, Deny yourself, lose sight of yourself, pick up your cross, that's an instrument of death, and follow me. He didn't paint a road of roses. He didn't say, well, you know, you're kind of tired of your life. You want to just make it a little better. Why don't you come to me? It's not the gospel. The gospel is that you know you're under God's wrath. You're an enemy of God. And that he died for your sins. And if you believe that he did, you can call upon him so you can change your evil heart and make you a child of God. That's what the gospel is. The viciousness of Rome and the manner of instilling fear by torturous death was well known and witnessed by all. 
when I was in Spain um, just about 10 years ago, um, they were celebrating the 500 year of Columbus, the Catholic Church. And in the plaza of Madrid, they brought all the instruments of torture to the Catholic Church. And they, they didn't apologize, they displayed them as trophies. Wow, what a misrepresentation of Christianity. No repentance. We must remember God will never ask of us anything that he, we cannot endure. Not allowing us to be tested more than we're able, but always giving us a way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10.13 We must never forget that God never puts us through anything that he has not gone through himself. He first does it. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do from the cross. He said, wow, but he was God. Stephen, Father, forgive them as he's being stoned to death. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Hebrews 13, 5 says, he'll be with us to the ends of the age. Matthew 28, 20. He's faithful. Notice still in 10, the church was to know that it was going to be a time of testing. The devil was about to throw some of them in prison. He already told them that he is the source of their persecution. He had told the disciples that when they would be brought before the magistrates, that the Holy Spirit would give them the words that very moment in Luke twelve eleven. Listen, now when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. And he goes on to say, for the Holy Spirit will give you the words that very instant. We get records of that and witness of that of Farshish and those who are in prison in Iran today. How God ministers and uses them right on the spot. This has always been the record and the witness of the church throughout the church age. The purpose was that they be tested. The word tested means to make a trial for the purpose of ascertaining quantity and quality at the same time. What a person thinks and how he or she will behave about themselves the same word is used of Jesus as he was tempted of the devil in the wilderness in a good sense to reveal character in Matthew 4.1. The word is used in a bad sense when Ananias and Sapphira agreed together to tempt God in Acts 5.9. So the context will tell you whether that testing is for evil or for good. The believer then is to expect and understand that the trials of our faith are normal. And intense in the life of the Spirit. First Peter chapter 1, verse 6 through 7. First Peter 4, 12 through 16 is very clear about this. Listen to him. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fire trials which are to trust, try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory of God rests upon you. On their part, he's blasphemed, but on your part, he's glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. He says, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. That's the type of God we serve. The time period was again, notice, for 10 days, the 10 days being interpreted the 10 Roman edicts or symbolically to represent a short time. Either one. Let me give you the 10 edicts of persecution. You have Nero, 54 AD, Domitian, 81, Trojan, 98, Antonius, 117, Maximina, 
235, Decius, 249, Valerian, 254, Aurelian, 270, Severus, 195, Diocletian, 284. You have all 10 of them. Long time persecution, one right after the other. The manner was diverse. Nero dipped men in pitches and tar and crucified them and set them on fire. Boiled them in oil. Poured hot lead on their bellies. Burned them at the stake. They crucified men, placed them in public places to intimidate others. They, um, they put them inside animal skins, sewed them up, and then tossed them out so animal uh, dogs could just, just mutilate them. Diocletian tried to destroy the scriptures by public burnings of the scriptures, but yet he's gone. The scriptures are still here. Polycarp was in his 90 years of age and was asked to recant, and he said this, and I'm quoting, quote, 86 years I have served my Lord, and he has never wronged me. How can I deny him now? The soldier asked him to recant and spend his last days in place of peace, for the flames would not, would, would be hot. Which Polycarp responded, not merely as those you will experience. Lord, let me be like that, whatever may happen. In the third century, as you know, they fed Christians to the lions. Some of the accusations presented before Christians was this. They were cannibals because of the, the Lord's Supper. Eat my body and drink my blood. So they were accused of cannibalism, of orgies because of the love feasts. They were, they were a bunch of perverts. Um, dividing family, which that is true. Because of the conversion of their life, many times their family considered them dead or didn't want anything to do with them. So it would mess up a family. Some of you have come to the Lord and it's messed up your relationship with your families. They said, oh, now you've, you've, you've changed your religion. And they're not happy about you being a Christian. It's difficult. Being politically disloyal because they only had one Lord. They couldn't burn the pinch of incense to Caesar. These are some of the accusations. And the last one is pyromaniacs. Because they said that the judgment of God at the end of the world would be by fire. And therefore Nero took advantage of this. And when he set Rome on fire, he blamed the Christians for the fire. What's new? Christians are blamed for all kinds of stuff. We are, we are the obstructionists to American society today, right? As well as conservative veterans. And anybody doesn't believe or go along with policy, right? Nothing new under the sun. The question is, why does God allow it? Because God is sovereign. Can the clay say to the potter, what are you doing? No. But he can do as he wills, when he wills, whenever he wills, to who he wills. And we know that as he allows it to his children, he does it out of perfect knowledge, perfect love, and for his glory, and he will be sufficient. Precious in the sight. Of the Lord is the death of the saints, Psalm 116, 15 says. Paul tells us it's for our discipline. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. He gave himself a black eye to keep his body under lest he be disqualified. God's way is to keep us humble sometimes through some of those things. And when he chastened the Corinthians, he's made some of them sick. Some he took their life in 1 Corinthians 11, 30 to 32. Paul the apostle cried out to the Lord three times to take this big stake and this flesh away from him. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7, he says, my grace is sufficient. And so I will gladly glory, Paul says, my weakness is the glory of God. I may be strong. But also for our perfection, James 1, 1 through 3, that I patient have a perfect work. The testing your faith, that it come to perfection. And also to attest to the power of God as we see through the book of Acts over and over and over again. 
Now notice the church was to be faithful to Jesus then. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. And they were being faithful, but they're exhorted to continue to do so. The word faithful there, pistos, it means one who has kept his plighted faith. Worthy of trust, one that can and is reliable. G. Campbell Morgan points out that the word faithful is from the root, which means to be convinced. Are you convinced that Jesus Christ is God who became man, died for your sins, rose from the dead, sits at the right hand of the Father. He has forgiven your sins and he's sufficient for everything that comes into your life and he's coming back for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that from the bottom of your heart? If you don't, your love for you will be greater. And when the pressure's on, you'll vote for you. It's just the way it is. The same word is used by Paul as he reminds us it is he, Jesus, who is faithful to call us in First Thessalonians 5.24. Peter, using the word, reminds us to commit ourselves to God as a faithful creator. Listen, in our sufferings, First Peter 4.19. In our sufferings as a faithful creator. The extreme cost is the request. That's the separation from the soul and the spirit from our body. That removes us from this tent to places in the presence of God. Second Corinthians 5, 1 through 8. Immediately, they were to remember that Jesus has been dead in the past, but he's alive now. And had conquered death and hell and the dead. For he holds the keys of Hades and death. Revelation 1, 18. Notice the promise is that he will give the individual what? The crown of life. Verse 10. The word crown, Stephanos, refers to the victor's crown, joy, festivity. They will be given to the overcomer, but they will all be placed at the Lord's feet, as we've seen in chapter 4, verse 10, because he did it all for us and through us. Those in Smyrna would be familiar with the term, the crown of Smyrna, which no doubt alluded to the beautiful skyline formed around the city by the hill Pegus with um, the stately public buildings and its surrounding slopes on its sides. So here's a, a parallel to that, the crown. The crown usually was a garland of flowers that were chiefly worn in the worship of pagan gods, such as Sibylle or Bacchus. That's the, uh, the party god, the god of wine. He celebrated in spring break all the time. And who was uh, pictured on a coin with the crown of battlement, destruction, the party god, Bacchus. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he has tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has a promise to them who love him. There it is, James 1.12, 1 Peter 4.5, who love him. It seems that many times we must wear the crown of affliction before we can appreciate the crown of victory. And if you've lived any amount of time as a Christian, you understand this. And in this world, especially if you're married, before the sweetness can come, sometimes it's that bitterness, those difficulties. Our Lord is an example of the crown of thorns as it was placed upon them in mockery, yet he was going to redeem the world. In the world, everything that seems to be good, pleasurable, and can, you can have right now, appears to be so sweet at the moment, but often it's turned into real bitterness. For the rest of your life and then eternity. While in the Lord, some of the most bitter things, though they don't make sense and I don't understand them, 
In obedience, they turn to sweetness and to the glory of God. What a difference. This was the exhortation, the Smyrna. Does that mean they weren't doing it? No, they were. He's just encouraging them to keep on doing what you're doing. Then comes lastly the application. Look at verse 11. There must be application, otherwise the message is worthless. The declaration is an invitation for everyone. There must be willingness to listen. There is a sense of responsibility and accountability on what was heard. There is also then culpability to every person who does not listen. To those that much is given, much more is required. They will have greater judgment. The words, he who has an ear, were favorite words of Jesus. There's responsibility and accountability and culpability. Notice the declaration as an invitation to obey what the Spirit says to the churches. The word here, akuo, means to endow with faculty of hearing. In other words, you're not deaf. We get our word acute, acute hearing, very keen, sensitive hearing. Literally, let him accurately and effectively hear. Jesus says, take heed how you hear and what you hear. The obedience is not limited to the message to the church of Smyrna, but to all seven Messages and the entire book of Revelation, the word church is in the plural. The Spirit is the speaker in the person of Jesus, the one Jesus sent to represent him. And he would never, ever speak of himself or bring glory to himself, only Jesus. Be careful when people glorify the Holy Spirit and speak more of the Holy Spirit than Jesus. The Holy Spirit does not speak of himself. He speaks of Jesus, speaks of his word, brings to our mind the word of God. He never speaks of himself. Notice still in 11, the declaration is an invitation with promise of reward. The promise of the crown of life has already been declared as a promise to those who are faithful unto death. The one to receive the reward is the overcomer. Mark it well. It is the present participle, timeless. It is the faith of the Christian that overcomes the world. 1 John 5, 4 and 5. The overcomer should not be heard of the second death. Mark it well. He or she will be exempt from the second death at the white throne judgment, Revelation 20, verse 6, 13 through 14, 21, 8. Very, very clear. Three times in that last book, that last, second to last chapter. Very important. Listen to the first one. Blessed and holy is he who has part of the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with them a thousand years. It is eternal separation from the presence of God, Revelation 20, verse 6. The first resurrection is a period in time that runs from Pentecost to the end of the tribulation. Look at the second text, Revelation 20, 13 through 14. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, Revelation 20, 13 and 14. Now, do you think this is exaggeration? Do you think it's a lie? It's so serious, he's saying it three times here. It is the experience of the unbeliever to die twice, physically and spiritually, and be born once. While the believer is born twice, physically and spiritually, and dies once, except for the generation that is raptured. They're the only exception. We have passed from death unto life. Then notice the last one, Revelation 21.8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderer, the sexually immoral, the sorcerer, the idolaters, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Three times in this last part. It's serious. Hell and eternity is serious. 
as myrrh was used to perfume holy oil and embalming. But it came about by the process of being crushed. So the church of Smyrna became a sweet-smelling fragrance unto the Lord. And they became the holiness of God. And became part of the church preserved by God's love. Never to be decaying. Never to be deteriorating. The church grew. Today Smyrna is for the most part China, Africa, Cuba. Places where she's persecuted. In 1998... I received a letter from a ministry that is going on in China, and it um, told me of a 21-year-old girl that was uh, arrested and gathered at a house church. Listen carefully. Her skull was fractured. She was beaten so severe that her breast area, that she has a heart condition now, they're telling me. One of her kidneys uh, burst, yet she lives silently in her bed in the hospital. As an old brother came to comfort her, uh, he was attempting to find words to comfort her, recognizing that she said, she said this to him, quote, This is what God has allowed. I am grateful now in this bed because of his name. I am here. So don't trouble your heart for me. But please remember those who treated me and accused me to be in bed. Please pray for them, but not me. Another brother was in prison and did not know why God allowed it, even becoming very sick himself. But there was a man in the cell under the uh, most deplorable conditions, being paralyzed and very sick. He was unable to care for himself, and he constantly had defecated on himself to the point that his pants had deteriorated completely. He helped this man and cared for him and told him that he did not do it because he was good, but because Jesus loved him and God also loved him. The man responded by saying, you do not have to speak anymore. There was nobody, nobody tried to come up to me the past year, but not you. You reached me right away. And as you came to me in the past year, there were lots of people that passed by in the past, but there was nobody like you. And you did come. The time you moved and and towards me, since that time, I was ready to open my heart to you and believe your Jesus. The author of the letter says, quote, Our Chinese Christian friends, they often quote John twelve twenty four. Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat fall to the ground and die, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. May we endure the bitter things of life and allow them to be the sweet fragrance to Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen. Remember to stop being afraid. Jesus has been where you have been, where you are, or where you will be. Remember, Jesus has conquered death and Hades. Remember to be faithful unto death. This is the application to Smyrna. Wow. The entire message of the church of Smyrna is to be faithful, suffering unto death. The message speaks of a local church in John's day. Literal church. The message speaks of a period of history, 100 to 312 AD. The message speaks of a type of church that can and will exist throughout the church age from Pentecost to the rapture. And the message speaks of a type of Christian in every church. You and I can find out the type of church we're in and the type of Christian we are as we move through these seven churches. This one has no condemnation. Only commendation. She's suffering. She's trusting, depending 
and drawing from the grace and the love and the mercy of God. Pastor Xavier Reese with words of comfort for those who are suffering for their faith. And you can request a CD copy of today's study from the book of Revelation titled The Suffering Church, Smyrna. It's available for just $4. And by the way, we'll also be including everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. Now that title to ask for once more is The Suffering Church, Smyrna. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you contact us. It's easy to talk about faith, but what happens when you have to put it into practice? Learn how to stand strong when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com